You are listening to an exclusive on Pod Hub Network. Your city, your podcast. To the delight of this crowd, McClendon marches down the dugout steps with first base. McCutcheon's throw. The runner breaks to the plate. Here's the throw. You are listening to the North Shore 9 Podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go, Bucks! Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to NS9 Live. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got Tyler. We got Jim. It's Thursday night. What's up, fellas? Yo. Yo, yo. What's going on? Not much. I just got back from looking at Christmas lights. So it's been a joyous night for me. How about you guys? And then you get to look at more. I know. I have low quality. Wait, so looking at Christmas lights was it kind of like like an Ogilvy situation? Like Like where you like went to a place where there were lights set up and you just like looked at them? No, he probably just drove around Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. No, there's um, there's like this street down here in Jacksonville, where everyone everyone like decorates. It's like a big thing. So we went and saw it. I mean, I don't know. To me, it is what it is. It appeased the wife. She wanted to go, so we went. But I got home at like eight fifty four. Not lying. Hmm. Were you like? I'll be it. I'm not the reason we're late. Yeah, you're like we need to we need to get home to a podcast. No yes. more Christmas lights. Unfortunately, and we only saw half of them. There's two sides on the street. We didn't go on the other side of the street because it takes forever. Do you have to like do you, do you, do you walk down the street? No, you drive, but you could walk fast. Okay. Okay. Probably better off finding so a place to park and walking it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's all done. I mean, like there's literally like lights hanging like in the street. I mean, it is nice, but you know, you've seen it once. You've seen it. How that saying goes, every time, whatever. And it's, it's probably like seventy degrees. Oh, it was no, it was eighty today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's sixty-five here. So. No lie, that's true. It's it's actually pretty warm here. Right. By the way, shout out, hey Dave, welcome back, welcome back, Vinny. What's up, guys? Um, before we go any further, so I just want to make a quick announcement here too. Now that we're bringing that up here. So one thing I'm going to say is we've been streaming onto Twitter basically since like our existence of streaming um, as of the new year. So for everyone listening, everyone watching, we are going to be off of Twitter. So that's why I made that message the other day. Follow us on YouTube. If you want to continue following us, which I mean, you can already, um, but we're going to be on YouTube. I'm not going to say exclusively. We'll be on Twitch also per se, but not on Twitter anymore. So go ahead and follow us. Subscribe to our channel. It's, of course, North Shore 9. Go subscribe to us, and you can catch us live every Thursday, as you do now. And, of course, whenever the hell we decide to stream <laughs> all the other shows uh, on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe. News to me. Put on those alerts. Oh, we've been talking about it, Tyler. I missed that memo. That's when you turn the alerts off on our group chat. <laughs> Dude. I look down and there's 40 something messages. 
like you know how Jim was the other day. I mean, day. there shouldn't be so many bad tweets on Twitter then. <laughs> That's true. But well, hey. the other day I felt like Tyler because like I I didn't check my phone for like two or three hours and I looked down and yeah, there was like forty something messages. I was just like, <laughs> oh, this is this is what Tyler feels like when he's at work and he can't get to his phone. Yeah. Right. Except this time it was me sending the messages because we were making fun. I don't even know who. We make fun of a lot of people. Usually each other. Usually each other. A lot of times Ryan. Yeah. And no, Anthony, we are not deleting our account. Sorry. (laughs) It's not time yet. So speaking of work, I do have a question for you guys that I realized today while I was eating lunch at work. I realized watching someone else, I have never in my life sent food back at a restaurant. Never, ever. Never. And I watched someone do this and I was like, I've never done that before. I don't care if it's the worst meal of my life. I'm just going to put a napkin over it and put it back in the middle. So I'm one of those people where like, if I don't like the thing that I ordered, like that's on me, right? That's my fault that I ordered it and I don't like it, right? Like I'm not going to send something back because I don't think it tastes good. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's just me. That's on me, right? Well, yeah. I will say though, like if, like if it's a, if I'm at a steak, like at at like a steakhouse and I'm like ordering a really nice steak dinner, right? And I order the steak medium rare. Right. And it comes out medium well. Like I I'm not paying that much money for a medium well steak at a really good steakhouse. So it depends on what I'm doing. Like I will send back the medium well steak when I want a medium rare. But if oh, it's just I'm something nah, eat that 40 bucks. What if it's more than 40? Like, what if we're talking about like an $80 steak? I'm not doing I'm not, that. Like, I'm, I'm not, not doing that. Yeah. I've never ordered an $80 steak in my life. So it's not a problem. <laughs> like if I'm getting a nice, if I'm, if I'm getting a good steak and I order it medium rare and it comes out medium well, I'm sending that back. I have, but like, but if it's something where like, oh, you know what? I don't really like the way these, I don't really like the way this burger tastes or something. That's on me. See, I'm at the point now, though, where I'm, I go to the same places. So the bartender usually knows if I put my napkin over it and just don't eat it. Something was wrong. I just won't mention it. So a couple times they have been like, all right, what what happened? Like the one time I got chicken wings and they tasted like dog shit. She's like, yeah, we found those at the bottom of the freezer. Well, thanks for serving. There's a reason that's. That's the reason I ate my one wing and then put it right back in the middle. Yeah, this is... I know Bernardo sends things back. No, no, no. Bernardo does not send things back. John Quill sends them back for him. Actually, neither. So I'm kind of like with Jim where... I mean, of course, for one, if I order, like I want to go just, I don't know, off the wall and get something different. That's on me if I don't like it. You know what I mean? But what I will say, so there's something to that also. I'll answer your question first and I'll send back another question. 
but I really don't send a whole lot of stuff back either. You know, like even if it's so if it's drastic, like how Jim's saying too, which most cases, those type of restaurants really don't screw it up. So you probably don't send much back anyways. That's why like never, never, I'm not going to say I've never done it. Right. But I rarely ever do it. Uh, I can't, I can't even tell you the last time I have done it, but if it's something that's extremely wrong, I'll send it back. Um, but so to answer your question, that's that. Let me ask you another question too about, about this. I'm also the type, maybe this is why I don't send a whole lot back. If I find something I like at that restaurant, that's probably like the only thing I ever eat there. Like I like a number yeah. of things, right? But if I go to this restaurant and something looks good to me and I order it and I like it, that's that's like that's what I get every time for the most part. I'll get th- different things at different restaurants, but it's like when I go to that restaurant, that's the only thing I get because it's like I know they can do that and it was good. So I'm going to keep getting that. I can find a hair in my food and I will just not send it back. No, I'll just no. Not eat it. Well, no. I won't eat it. Hair, you if, if you know one thing about me. I, I don't want any more food after that anyhow. I skeeve hair. Oh my god. I don't just, want just hair. If I see a hair that. like on the desk that ain't mine, I might I might vomit. <laughs> hair to me is disgusting. Like loose random hair. If Bucko Mike were here, he'd he'd say that I find hair in all my food just because it just falls out of my <laughs> beard, probably. <laughs> We do have some comments, though. Dirty face. So Dave says his wife does that all the time. It drives him crazy. Vinny says only circumstance for him would be if they burn something or get his order wrong. Um, And Anthony says overcooked, maybe undercooked, definitely. Nope. You know what? If if my soda doesn't have bubbles, I'm going to need a new one. Drinks to me is different. Soda. I'm getting a beer. True. (laughs) No, undercooked. I just asked for a box and take it home and toss it in the air fryer. But you ordered it to eat. Like you, you're hungry now. Like what if you want to eat? <laughs> what if you want to eat there? Yeah. I don't go to fancy places, and if I did, they wouldn't screw things up. Yeah, but you go to a place because you're hungry, and then you can't even eat it. So, so you don't yeah, take, take any. Like if if that was the case, right? Never. If the case was, you ordered a. You ordered chicken and it wasn't cooked. You would just tuck your tail between your legs and say, well, I guess I just got home and eat this. No, actually, I would just leave it there because undercooked chicken like gives me the it's like hair to you. Okay, so then I why wouldn't you so send it back? Pre- right, so why wouldn't so you be like, couldn't you just say, cooked? hey, hey, this chicken's raw. Can you just cook it? Because for another, once like, I cut into it and see it like not cooked, I'm done. Now my appetite's gone. I'm fine. You want to ask for a new one? Nope. I'm not hungry anymore. Damn. Get a refund? <laughs> a rain check? Like a I, beer or something? I am, extre- I am extremely particular on chicken. If I break that thing in half and it's not stringy, I don't want it. But you don't want compensated for it. You're just going to take an L. Nope. I'm going to eat it. It's on me. I should have went home and cooked. Well, man, I'm opening up a restaurant and I'm inviting nothing but Tyler. Right. <laughs> and just feed wanna, just I, feed them undercooked chicken yes. all the time. <laughs> right. I argue with people all day. I don't want to argue with people when I'm eating. Well, I feel like if you have like a raw chicken in front of you, it's not really arguing. If you're like, hey, my chicken's raw. Can you just toss this back on the grill or whatever for another yeah, minute or two? I'm also it 
there's also a little pettiness that if I took one bite out of it and the waitress has to walk back with like my full ass plate, you know, your food sucks. Also, I don't I know. I just couldn't. I'm, I'm pretty easygoing. I don't have to be that person. Like, oh, I ordered. Right. I ordered, you know, medium rare. And this is medium. This is ridiculous. I want this back or like find every because there's all those people. They find every reason to send their mm-hmm. food back. I'm not that guy. Like it's if it's somewhat close, if it's it's no big deal. I'll eat it. No worries. But like if I can imagine just I like care. having something like uncooked chicken and just being like, well, I guess I'm not eating dinner tonight. Here goes that twenty dollars, and just walk it away. Yeah, that's exactly I couldn't do what that. I, do. I mean, I paid you twenty dollars. I, I got to at least have food. So if okay, forget it then. Don't give me the chicken. Give me this then instead or whatever. Or give me a rain check or give me something. Give me some glass. Give me a pitcher See, of beer. That, that's what's that's what's yeah. wrong with your generation. You want something. My for generation. Everything. Yeah, I do. I want something for my twenty dollars that I. <laughs> yeah, just if, if I give you twenty dollars, I don't want a raw chicken. <laughs> the order probably eats half. I'm just gonna open like, up a storefront uh, called "Give Me Your good. Money." Can I get a new one. Tyler walks in, gives me twenty dollars, and I say thank you. I don't give him anything. That's it. I, I've wasted money on much worse. Was this the thing you said that was going to take yep. us on a tangent? Apparently. Yep. yep. Can you tell it's if the anybody's still listening? Season? Yeah. Anybody's still listening. Oh, uh, we got more comments on that than we did half of our pirates talk. That's true. That's probably more interesting than the pirates right now. I don't know. It's about to get interesting with our topic. Yes. So, Tyler, any transitions yeah. for us today? No segues. Ethan's have said they're stupid. Let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> How mean of Ethan. That's just terrible. See, that was the best segue of a ball. There you go. Segueing Ethan into it to segue to our next spot. So I guess some news and notes to touch on here. Um, not a whole lot, obviously, but one thing is we can talk about a minor league pitching coach. Joel Hanrahan has decided to not continue his relationship with the Pirates as a, as a minor league coach. He's stepping away. He's going to pursue other opportunities, which apparently there's something in the works. Um, don't know what it is yet. But as the, now for one, right, we're starved for baseball news. There goes Tyler. See you later. Uh, <laughs> I'm here. We're starved for baseball news, starved for Pirates news. So, of course, something as minuscule as a minor league coach becomes a big thing. That was a talk of Twitter yesterday. So what are our thoughts on the Pirates no longer having Joel Hanrahan? Go ahead, Jimbo. Um, on my video. Yeah, I mean, I'll say a couple things. It, it seems like everybody who knew Joel Hanrahan and how much you know he has, you know, contributed to the organization seems to say that this is a big loss, right? Um, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I know the ins and outs of Joel Hanrahan's coaching ability. I will say, you know, just kind of looking on the outside, if you're thinking, all right, who has come up from the minor leagues in the last two to three years and hit the ground running as a pitcher, can't really name too many people. So I'm not going to necessarily say that, that like, Hey, Joel Hanrahan had all these guys ready to go. 
but I'm also not going to say Joel Hanrahan failed because he didn't have these guys ready to go because maybe the guys just weren't that good to begin with. Um, so all I'll say about it is it's a minor league pitching coach. seems like everybody loved the guy. seems like, you know, he's going to get another job somewhere else. So there are people around baseball who have very high respect for him. Um, so I, I'll say good best of luck wherever you are. Um, but I, I don't know if this is necessarily like a huge loss, really, because can you really point to something and say, oh, man, we're going to miss out on stuff like this now because Joel Hanrahan's not around. You know what I mean? Sure. Understood. Yeah. I agree with Jim. Um, from everything you read, it seems like he had a really good relationship with a lot of the pitchers. But as Jim said, we haven't seen anybody come up and really be effective since he's been here. But at the same time, you can't turn shit into diamonds. But you would expect... I think we would expect to at least have one guy come up and at least be a serviceable pitcher. And we haven't even seen that. Um, I think it, there would be a little bit of outrage if we would have saw anything from Mitch Keller after he came back up. Sure. Because it seems like Hanrahan was very hands-on with him. But all you can do at this point is take the player's words for it and guys that have played for him. But when it's a results-oriented business, the results were not there. And probably in a lost philosophical difference somewhere, it seems like. I mean, Hanrahan is a Huntington guy. So it's, it is what it is, man. Like, it's not like losing Jim Benedict, where we saw so many guys come through and be able to point to him. It, it's more that we got to take everyone's word for it. That's probably the best way of putting it. I, I feel like uh, you're right. You can't quantify the loss. You more or less deal with it by hearsay, right? So, you know, you hear a lot of players talk about him. You hear how he is very open-minded with analytics and, and everything and how he utilizes it and what he does. And of course, how he's revered around like the, I'm not gonna say the league, but I guess around baseball, right? Other people noticing him and talking highly of him, not just within the pirates organization. So it's one of those things like, okay, if there's, there's, you know, smoke, there's probably fire. So, you know, you hear all this stuff about him. It's like, well, then why couldn't they make something work out? You know, like, it sounds like he's really good. It sounds like he connects to a lot of these players. I mean, just the fact alone that Pittsburgh, you know, and Charrington more or less made it the decision that we can't fix Keller. We're going to hand him off to you. You know, that almost puts like you're putting him in that light. Like we're going to hand him off to you. So they must have high regards for him as well. Um, And it just seemed as if there wasn't a position in the major leagues. That's what he wanted, which I fully can understand. They did want to sign him. Like they did offer him a contract and money but it was going to be still with the minor leagues and he just wanted to have that opportunity in the major leagues, which it sounds like, again, with the what, what you hear among other sites and people and such, he probably will find a, a job doing something. As a pitching coach, probably not, 
but you know, probably get something in the major leagues to eventually get there. And that's what he wants to get. And I totally understand that too. Like look at the business side, look at the career moves. Do I want to be stuck in the minors again? Or do I want to take an opportunity and find myself in the majors? I mean, I don't blame him by any means. Um, but right, like I can't quantify this and be like, well, we know he was good because this pitcher came up and did this and that pitcher came up and did this. So I think that's why you're, you know, it was kind of polarized on, you know, Twitter and the fans and such because of all those reasons. A lot of them just feel like, I mean, in reality too, it's a minorly coach. It's not the big deal, you know, but then in other sense, like myself too, even it's like, I, I, I wanted him to stick around because I feel like there's probably some good out of him. And if he's going to continue his career, why not with the pirates? Yeah. I mean, well put. Yeah. I, I said, based off of what everybody says, based off of what people who know him say, seems like he's got a bright future. So, you know, it would have been nice to keep him around. So, I mean, it, it, I think it's one of those things you got to wait and see. Does he go somewhere and get a bullpen job, like a major league bullpen coach job? You know, then, then you know, best of luck to him in that role. Sounds like he probably wants to be a major league pitching coach, would be my guess one day. So, I'm sure know, that's whatever he feels like is, yeah, whatever he feels like is going to be the best way to do that. Like you mentioned, the Pirates clearly wanted him to stick around. They offered him a contract, they offered him multiple years. Um, you know, he made the decision to go somewhere else. So, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just the right time for guys to move, right? And seems like that's kind of where we're at with with Hanrahan right now. I mean, is there also a possibility in Hanrahan's mind? Like, he sees the talent. There's not he's not working with too much coming through in the minors. The Pirates are it's not coming though. with in the minors. But where he's um, at right now, it's a ways away pitching wise. I mean, he'd have Contreras next year. For how long? But, I mean, that's like the a, whole point. Like, get Contreras ready, and then boom, but, there you go. Yeah, but are you giving credit for that now? Like, and also, I don't see how you can't find a job for in the majors because Oscar Marine has shown you absolutely nothing. Like, give him an assistant pitching coaching job, and then whenever you fire Marine, like halfway through next year, like they're going to. If there is a season, promote them. But it also just could be it's time to split. Like, let him go do his thing. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He, maybe he wants to go be on a team that doesn't suck ass. <laughs> like, that's I mean, a very You're right. good I mean, possibility. He might just yeah. be like, I don't want to coach a team that sucks. Especially, yeah. and again, like, especially in the minor leagues. Like yeah. if it's gonna suck, let me let me be the pitching coach for the Orioles. <laughs> like at least I'm in the especially, majors, I can start my career. You know, especially though if you're in AAA, where the Pirates have shown they don't care about AAA. That's a good point too. That's Another a good, good point. point. Yeah, like he'd almost rather have him in Altoona if that's where your yeah. prospects are going to be. I feel like that that role that uh, um, you, you just mentioned him. Um, Jim Benedict, Jim Benedict, right? That role where he was like pitching coordinator, right? Yeah. And he just kind of floated around and was in charge of just pitching in general throughout the organization like that. That may be a good role for him. But again, it sounds like maybe he wants to be on a major league team in the, you know, as the bullpen coach, whatever that role is. And I mean, based off of his reputation, he, you know, he, he could very well get something like that. 
Yep. And actually, comment in the chat, which kind of lines, he says, Anthony says, maybe you heard Charrington. Well, that best pitcher skip AAA kind of lines with it. Like he has kind of come out and said how we deem our players ready at double A. So triple A. And as we've seen triple A, it's kind of just like uh, a wasteland. <laughs> just, right. it's just a, a league of depth. It's like a holding. Them. Yeah. It's like yeah. a holding area. Yeah. Right. And you're basically taking a demotion to go coach better players. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're right. You're probably better off being in double A. That's when you get your hands on like, the real prospects I mean, and do something was, with them. He was just in a weird situation here being in AAA. And like Jim said, the coordinator position was probably a better option, but maybe maybe he wants to be with a team year-round. I don't know. I'm not in his head. Yeah. But whatever it is, I mean, there's there's a split. I mean, both parties wanted something different, it seems. Um, there was definitely interest in you know both sides. It's not as if, It doesn't seem as if Hanrahan was like, I'm ready to just get out of this organization. It just wasn't the role he wanted, and the Pirates wanted him, but not in the role he wanted, and they're moving ways. So, I mean, the best of luck for him. Um, I look at it as a loss for the fact that, like, I would rather have him here, but this isn't – so there's, like, Michael Ryan all over again. Not – I think, actually, that was even more blown up, but, like, when Michael Ryan, you know, was like, go and, like, everyone just, like, burned down. How can you – it's like, all right, chill, guys. You know, like, it's it's not that big of a deal. This is more in line with that. Um but you know, again, I I was intrigued by him. Yeah, there's also the whole portion yeah. that he pitched for the Pirates. Like if this was just some guy thing? that threw for the Angels, if he threw for the Angels, do you think anyone would give a shit? So he never okay. played for the Pirates. I'm with Tyler. It's definitely a thing. Like I mean, we we like Joel Hanrahan. Like we remember we we remember him very fondly here. Um, he put up some great seasons. So I think, yeah, there's definitely some of that. Like if Joel Hanrahan wasn't Joel Hanrahan, and like you said, if he if he never pitched for the Pirates and we were like, oh, we you know, you remember that pitcher who pitched for the for the the nationals, right? <laughs> for for a little bit. Like yeah. uh, you remember that guy? Like we lost him, you know. But no, the fact that he was a pirate, he was an all-star closer. Yeah, I mean that's that's driving a lot of this. Okay. The media knows him too. Like the me- the Pittsburgh sports media wouldn't know your prototypical AAA pitching coach as well as they do Joel Hanrahan. That makes sense. I I asked that because I, I saw. I mean, Tyler brought it up, but I saw it twice. Something as a fan favorite, Joel Hanrahan. I was like, I don't know if I really like put him in that seat, but I guess just in general, he was he was looked favorably in Pittsburgh. And like you said, he was a pirate. So people know him. So I guess that makes sense. I was kind of equating like, like if, if this was AJ Burnett, you know, everyone's been calling for AJ. AJ Burnett could not know how to be a pitching coach at all. He could be the worst coach there is, but everyone wants him to be the pitching coach because he's AJ Burnett. He's loved, right? He was the pitcher. So everyone's like deeming. So if like this was AJ Burnett, I could see that comes in. I guess that's what I question. I was like, I don't know if I put like Hanrahan in the whole like fan favorite thing, but with Jim, you said, does make sense. He's recognizable. You know him. You wouldn't know XYZ player who pitched for Montreal back in the day. <laughs> like if Houston, if Houston Street was the AAA there you go. pitching coach right now. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit that he left. <laughs> right. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't have talked about Houston Street for 10 minutes. Uh-uh. Great fantasy player. I, uh, 
when I used to when I used to rock with closers, I I picked them up a few times. So yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at. Hit the ground running. He was closers rookie year, wasn't he? Sure. Like drafted as a closer. He like drafted as a closer. I don't even know if he was in the minors at all. He may have been like a straight to the majors guy. Can you imagine if Jason Grilly would have been the Triple A pitching coach? What the outrage <laughs> of him le- leaving. I only say that just because people seem to love Jason Grilly and I despise that human. See, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I do. Well, I've actually when he compared himself to Jesus that one exactly. time. Exactly. So okay. But I mean, he wrote, he basically wrote a book. He wrote a book about like how great of a person he was. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of that book was whatever, like he was comparing himself to Jesus. And he's like, and also that summer I stepped on a rusty nail. Like, yeah, same thing. All right. So anyways, we'll what move on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but so girls thought he was cute. Enough of that. I guess so we can get into the next thing. Are we done with Hanrahan? Pirates are, are we? I don't yeah. know. Pirates are, but he's done with them. Yeah, we're done. Okay. So uh, we ran a poll today. And uh, it was something, actually, I think it was something we've, we've talked about before a little bit. Something I was thinking about recently. And then there was an article today uh, in The Athletic by a writer that I'll keep it nameless. More or less stating how, like, it took Huntington, what, seven years from the time of his rebuild, basically, to, like, win again? Was it seven? Could be all six. Six? Six Six. Six years? Okay. So it was more or less, like, if it took him six, then we should more or less, I'm not quoting here, but more or less allow... Competitive in four. Charrington, like, seven to nine years, right? Seven to eight years, something like that. So, yes, someone put the name <laughs> in the comments. It is uh, that person. Uh, okay, so for one, that just seems asinine to me. However, two, the thing we've talked about, and I put a poll here, you know, who inherited, who do you feel inherited the better organization, right? Not just team, but organization. Was it Neil Huntington or was it Sherrington? And the reason I say that too is because why would we afford Sherrington like seven years for this rebuild? Why would you allow any GM seven years for a rebuild? And then at the same time, I think it's debatable and we'll debate it now. But like if you feel Sherrington inherited a better organization, why should he be allowed even longer to make this team competitive? So I don't know where we want to start here. Do you want to start with that article? Do you want to start with should we allow Sherrington seven years? To turn this club around? Yeah, let's start there. Okay, let's do that. And the and the quick answer is, God, no. <laughs> Just absolutely not. If we're in... You know what? I'll give them the benefit of the doubt if they suck in 2023. Because who knows what happens with this year. It's going to be a mess. If they suck in 2023, they need to at least be like watchable at that point. They're not you can't be losing. I'm talking about 2023. You cannot be this bad again. We can't have four straight years of being a bottom four to five team in baseball. Right. 
Like at that point, your guy should be coming up. And if they're not by that point or they're failing, you're failing. Jim looks like he wants to say something. I'm, I'm holding off here, but there's like nothing but dead silence. Jim's, so I'm just going to talk. Well, no, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the seven to nine years thing is just completely ridiculous and stupid. Like under no circumstances should it take anybody that long to rebuild. And if it does, you've done a terrible job. Something's gone horribly wrong. I mean, you could even say Neil Huntington, six years, right. That, that he took, he probably was like two years later than he should have. It's just, he made mm -hmm. some really, really bad trades in his first couple of years. I mean, the, the, the talent that he did um, inherit from a major league level, you know, that he, that he had to rebuild with um, he completely squandered it. Right. Um, like Jason Bay, he got nothing for him. I mean, let, I mean, let's just say he got nothing for him. Right. Um, so, so, and that was really like the only impact player he inherited, you know, from, from on a on the major league team. Um, we the other part of that that was an era where teams were trading a lot more for that's fair. You know, slightly above mm. of average players. Yeah. So, like an true. Xavier Nady, for example. Yep. No one cared about prospects. That looked man. like an abs looked like an absolute haul for Xavier Nady. Yeah. So Turned like out, he crap yeah so he completely whiffed on some of those early trades and that that made it so that you know the pirates didn't really start becoming half decent until 2011 and then 2012 2011 was like that big huge collapse they had 2012 was another collapse right in 2013 they kind of put that. everything together but um but you know the beginning parts of 2011 and 2012 it was a, it was a team that was very watchable right um so, but so that that rebuild took six years was a little longer than it needed to be so to to even think that any rebuild should take longer than that is terrible like if the pirates hadn't won in 2013 huntington's probably gone right like how long how much long like how much good goodwill did huntington have to stay another year if the pirates didn't perform in 2013. To me, that's hard to answer. I don't, I don't know because losing had gone on for so long to even get that close. I don't know. I don't know. Like, are the, are the leashes that long that you're okay? Cause we're still that close. And I'm going to believe in this cause we've never been as close as you are <laughs> to this point, but it's a different situation, you know, on most teams, you're correct, Jim. I just don't know with this organization at that time. Yeah. If that is a definite answer. I think at that point, if they fail in 2013, Huntington is fired. And I'm just racking my brain around all of the failed trades that he made, like Freddie Sanchez. Mm. Alderson was terrible. Jack Wilson. Jeff Clement was terrible. Jason Bay. Everyone was terrible. Xavier Nader. Everyone was terrible. You get on a list, they all sucked. And at that point, his drafting hadn't been good. 2011, I mean, you look at 2011, Pedro looked like an absolute bust. McCutcheon, if he doesn't sign that extension, is probably on his way out. 
Daniel Walker at that point wasn't the Huntington guy, but I mean, Neil Walker at that point is probably traded. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, you're probably if if like if you don't if you don't win in 2013, are you starting a whole other rebuild at that point? Like that's what yeah. you're gearing up for. And if you fail, then do you just tear it all down again and try again? Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. literally every move, every trade he made failed up until 2013. So this kind of ties back you know, to the whole point, you know, like this, what kills me about this is, and the reason I bring it up as well is because I feel like there's this like civil war brewing among pirates fans right now. Uh, and the civil war is be good. Stop sucking. Right. And then we'll keep sucking because you need to rebuild. And so now we have this writer talk about he's even going above and beyond all these other people like oh well seven years seven years is fine like that makes sense and the reason that you have this whole class of people that's saying we need to speed up and and not suck anymore is because you have players on this current major league roster that are becoming free agents you know and and those years if you want to keep continuing to not be good and if you're going seven years you're gonna have these minor leaguers coming up soon and then they'll be gone like we're gonna be talking about the Pagaros <laughs> being traded by the time they're ready to compete in that in that time frame. So it's like so that's why this is like just so mind-boggling to me is because like this is very relevant right now among like Pirates fans, I feel, because there's so many of them that are very split on as we keep talking about, like this should be a more competitive team this year. You really have no need to keep going on on, on tanking. And I say tanking because this isn't any attempt to be competitive this year, what they're doing. Like it's a full blown, clearly stating we are tanking. We are going to be bad. And I don't get it, you know? And then again, there's people who feel like, no, that's the right, that's the right path. Like keep doing it. Keep building those prospects, keep building the pipeline. So that way you do become good in 24, 25 and such. So just to tell it all together, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why Bernardo, we're, we're go back to your point. Point. If we're talking about seven years, O'Neill Cruz is a free agent. That's what I'm getting at. Like, uh, uh, I'm go past <laughs> O'Neill Cruz. I brought up Higuero. Like, but we're like talking about Higuero. Is just an absolutely asinine. Right. When that doesn't make any sense. We're talking about these are like we're talking about this draft class basically being here like three years after that. They had already been here for a few years. If we're talking seven years, like Bubba Chandler's in the major leagues. That's when you're talking I mean, about being good again. What seven, are we doing? seven years from now, like Nick Gonzalez is in his last year of his contract. <laughs> like, because yeah. Nick Gonzalez is a free agent next year. Bronzy Contreras and O'Neill Cruz well, are gone. Well, mind you, mind yeah. you. So, uh, <laughs> right. also understand that seven years aren't like from today. Like, we're already like into the year three yeah. now, whatever, right? So, but still, like, what you do have is okay. so they're not free agents, but they're I coming guess. up on that time frame yeah. of we need to trade them because they're going to be free agents, you know? They're in that yeah, one guess. to two year window where it's like, That's all right, it's time point. to now trade Pagaro because he's okay. going to be a free agent. I got reactionary, and when I read that, I thought seven years from now. But still, I guess that makes more right, sense. But you're still talking but about five years. You're still talking about 2027, 2026, like trying to compete again. Yeah, I mean, seven years would be 2026. That would be the seventh year. Right. And so, <laughs> like, like that would be bad. That would be bad, right? Um, Piguero makes his like leap in twenty twenty three. It's time to like trade him. We've now. all said, yeah, like we've all said, like we all three believe that the the trajectory towards competitiveness should should start next year, 
it doesn't seem like the pirates are doing that right so that's delaying it to 2023 so you're thinking 2023 trajectory starts going up right 2024 so 2023 is your 2011 2024 is your 2012 now 2025 is your 2013 right 2025 your young guys have been in the majors for a year and a half to two years they've they've made all the adjustments they need to keep Ryan Hayes is in his fourth year, you know, so that's really when that's where it's looking like this rebuild is kind of taking an aim towards is that 2025 year, (laughs) which is year six. I mean, that's, that's the same as Huntington had, right? There we are. Year six. Cool. So then good. So now let's, let's spin this because now let's talk about that. So what got me again is the fact that, so if we're going to say Huntington was, you know, given six years, it took him then, you know, Charrington having seven, like, why is that out of the question? Why shouldn't we, you know, allow that? And so let's, let's, again, let's think about this. So we are in like year three of this rebuild. You know, we talked about this a few times already. Now we have a little more information. Now we have a you know some better evaluation of the players that Sherrington has inherited and such. So let's let's discuss. You know, do you believe that Sherrington had a better situation, or do you think Huntington had a better situation coming into this organization? I think it's a very legit argument, and I think that also can help determine why that that article makes no sense. I guess Jim will let me talk because he's sipping his Coke unless he's in deep thought. Now you can go. Is the Coke fizzing? Does it have any bubbles left or we need to we just in the back? There's a few bubbles left. All right, There's good. a few bubbles. <laughs> I was going to say that that pool surprised me, but it really didn't because we know where Pirates Twitter seems to be at this point. And it's very, very pro Ben Sherrington. But the poll wasn't very pro Ben Sherrington. I mean, it was pretty much 50-50. I know. And I felt like it should have been Neil Huntington took over a much, much worse situation in my brain. And the reason I say that is I don't know if people thought about it as all the things that Huntington had to take on because whenever he took over, there is no analytics department with the pirates. They were archaic in everything. They had no Latin, no reach in Latin America. They got lucky and signed Starling Marte for pennies. He took over a team that was basically in 1950. As I'm guessing Louisville just gave up an ace. <laughs> Pay attention, Jim. <laughs> So when you look at it, not just with the players that he had, because you could argue that maybe Huntington had a little bit more, and there is an argument to be made that teams were just handing out prospects at that point in trades. But Ben Sherrington didn't acquire, like he, the cupboard was not there when he got here. There were some pieces in the majors, and we've seen him go on to succeed. And I don't think it, I think it's very similar as what he had 
talent wise when he got here as Huntington, but Huntington had to overcome so much just in terms of the entire organization being an absolute pile of dog shit. To put it politely. So I want to, <laughs> so I want to say a couple things here. Um, and I want to start with, I, I think everything Tyler said makes sense. And, and I, I, I lean towards his way, but I think they're, um, I think it's close. Like, I don't think it's, it's one of those like egregious things where you can say, oh, well, it's clearly Ben Sherrington inherited more. Like, I think he did. Right. And I'll, I'll go into some reasons why I think he did here, but um, I, I don't think it's so egregious that it's not worth a discussion over. Right. Um, I just want to, I want to point out the top, some players who were in the top 10 prospect list when, when Neil Huntington took over. Andrew so, McCutcheon. Let's talk about the other top 10 prospects though. Brad Lincoln. <laughs> right. Neil Walker. Brad Corley. Outfielder Steve Brad Pierce. Corley. Pitcher Duke Welker. Shortstop Brian Bixler. Outfielder oh, Jamie, Ro- Jamie Romack. Shelby Ford was the number six prospect in the organization. Shelby Ford. Daniel Moskis who pitched two years that, in the bullpen, basically. Brad Lincoln. The right year. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking at 20, 2008, which would have been, yeah. I looked at a different list earlier. Moskis, Lincoln, Pierce. And then there is Neil Walker and then Andrew McCutcheon at the top of the list. So those top two were, you know, those, those hit, right? Um, but like the rest of that list is 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 terrible i mean half of those guys didn't make the majors jamie romack is just is over in korea just you know winning mvp awards every year but like (laughs) that that is just a sad pathetic list right whereas if you look at the prospect list when charrington took over and charrington brought in a lot of talent right in his first off season right and and, you know jim one thing i want to say To, to cut you off right there too. So one thing I just want to say yeah. too, to put in perspective also, because we know prospects can of course bust. Like all these ones you're going to talk to right now can bust. Let's also make it aware yeah. too. It's not as if any of these other prospects were actually deemed good either. And then just doesn't work it. Like right. it was a poor farm system. It was with bad. Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. Like, I mean, Daniel Moskis was the number five prospect on the team. And at this point, we all knew Daniel Moskis was a was a bust. We knew Daniel Moskis was a bust as soon as he was drafted. <laughs> really, I mean, it was that it was a, just a terrible pick, right? Um, but but you look at the like the, the prospects that that Sherrington brought, you know, got in here, you know, Hayes, Cruz, Priester, uh, Swaggerty, um, Brennan Malone was was there. Uh, no, well, no. Malone was brought over Martin. later. Malone was brought over later. Yeah. Um, Siani, Oliva, right. Bolton, uh, Bay. Or was Bay? Mason Martin. And Bay was there. Mason Martin. Cal Mitchell. Uh, Cal Mitchell. Yeah. So, so those people were in the organization, not to mention Kevin Newman and cool Tucker, but, but to mention Kevin Newman, I mean, Kevin Newman, ended up being a starting shortstop for three years and he was good for one of them. Um, 
So from like a pure talent standpoint, when it comes to depth in the organization, when Sherrington took over, just way more depth, right? Um, whereas when Huntington took over, it was Walker and McCutcheon and nothing else. Like nothing. Marte. Else. But yeah. And, and right, yeah, Marte at that point was, you know, and, and the Dominican, you know, so so no one really knew about him yet. Um, but yeah, that was like the one diamond in the rough that you know they got lucky in in, in the international market. Um, so so Sherrington inherited a much better system. I don't necessarily know if Sherrington inherited better trade pieces, like for a rebuild. Like we could say, Starling Marte was was really good, right? Um, but so was Jason Bay. <laughs> Jason Bay was really True. good. Um, Keep going. Joe Musgrove, good trade chip. Um, mm-hmm. Keep going. Oliver Perez he was had, there when Huntington was around, right? So he had Oliver Perez. He had Oliver Perez, but Oliver Perez was coming off some bad years. Yeah, they weren't good then. Let me look. Let me look. Oliver yeah, Perez, you're had a right. You're, you're, you're like right. you're right. Oh, five. That was that was earlier. So and he had Ian Snell. You're right. <laughs> So from a major league talent standpoint, Sherrington <laughs> had more. Jack Wilson, Freddie Sanchez. Let's go ahead and say Sherrington, Sherrington had more. Right? Because those other guys were clearly on the down slot, downside. I don't want to cut you off, but I'm going to. Sherrington had Josh Bell off a career year. Chose to hold him. He had, he chose correctly, held Adam Frazier until his I career year. I forgot about Bell. Held on to Adam Frazier until his career year. The one that looks like might work out is Tyon. Who's okay. coming off of Yeah, no so year. Charrington inherited way more. <laughs> Charrington, Charrington inherited Not way more. Not to mention more. Jacob Stallings. <laughs> like in, Not to mention Stallings. If you yeah. move Stallings back to like 08, he's the best trade chip on the team probably. Back when catchers could not hit. Yeah, he would have been he would have been nice there. Okay, so I think it's not as close as I originally thought. <laughs> and not to mention um, the dumpster fire the entire organization was at that point. And, and I think that's what you got to say. Like the the organization up to that point hadn't competed since 1992, right? Mm-hmm. Where at least now, you know, the Pirates were above 500 in 2018. <laughs> like they actually, you know, they they won eighty two games. So they're they're you know, like two years off, that. like actually being, you know, like they're they're two. They were like literally a year off from being a wild card contender. Like they were in the wild card race until the last week of the year um, in twenty eighteen. They actually like acquired some people at the deadline. Um, don't remind so, us. Don't just stop. <laughs> <laughs> but um. No, and that's so, the one pass. So, that's the one pass that Sherrington gets is that Huntington burnt that bitch down at the trade deadline. Yeah, he uh, he definitely traded a lot at that deadline. So, which brings us back to that winning streak was like the worst thing that ever happened to this organization. Um, yeah, so I, you know what? I'm squarely in the Sherrington inherited quite a bit more. That the the organization was in a pretty decent spot when he inherited it. Better better deeper prospects. Um, more major league talent that you could either build around or trade. 
Like he didn't have to trade Starling Marte. You know, you could have extended Starling Marte and then look how that would have gone. Right. Um, he made that decision and, you know, we'll see how those prospects turn out, but yeah, he definitely inherited more now that I kind of am being, I'm seeing all of this. And, 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 and I do agree with that. You know, I really do believe, I mean, you say it's close. It's, you can, this is definitely something that it's debatable. I mean, it's not just so egregious. I feel where we shouldn't even talk about it and discuss it. Um, because, and I think the big, of course, the biggest thing is Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, the biggest difference in the two was you had a superstar in one. The other one, you have a lot of depth, but no stars. And that's still somewhat of a plague in the system. What what stars? He's got what? Brian Reynolds. Okay. So the thing with Brian Reynolds I is he's still never going to put up like an Andrew McCutcheon type. I, I still, I'll, like, I'll say that. I guess, but he's putting up like top 10 in the MLB. Years. He's good. He's, he's, he's good. Yeah. And I'll put this way too. I don't know if you could have said Andrew McCutcheon was going to give you Andrew McCutcheon until he did, you know? So maybe Brian Reynolds does become that. Like maybe Brian Reynolds one day becomes what Andrew McCutcheon was as an MVP type of player. I don't know if I very much foresee that. Um, He's a very good player, but Andrew McCutcheon definitely was a superstar. He was a superstar. He had that, yeah, I mean, over a five-year span, um, he had thirty-four, a thirty. That depends, on which what is still more than what four war. Like the his average is still better than what Reynolds did this year over a five-year span. Over that span, so so that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. I get your point, Tyler. I do. I don't know if I look even myself look at Reynolds as Kutch at all. Uh, they're just not in the same stratosphere. He is very good. But again, Huntington acquired a star, but he had like nothing after that. Luckily, he got Marte, who was a really, really good player, right? Came up through the system. They had Walker and such. But I just feel you're correct. Like Huntington took over this organization and there was nothing there. Yes, he found a lot of trades, but like he really had to build up that club through the drafts and everything like that. Whereas when Sherrington came in, and this is why I really want to talk about this, because yes, Jim brings up 2018. Thank you once again, Jim for reminding us about Chris Archer. But I just feel, we talk about perception, we talk about the fans. I feel everyone gives so much hate to Huntington and what he did that it is just assumed, right? Everyone talks about how Huntington left this organization a disaster. So Sherrington must have come in with nothing because of Huntington. You know what I mean? Like I feel the Huntington hatred is putting on these blinders and making the assumption that Charrington took over with garbage. But in reality, Charrington took over with some talent. You talked about Musgrove. You talked about Josh Bell. Now, I mean, at that time, we talk, you're not going to get a ton for him. But still, you're talking about a guy who was in the home run derby, an all-star. You know, There was talent on the major league level. We can de- debate and argue if they should have extended and, and continued and doing whatever. I'm not going to go into there. I think it's still the right move of tearing down the rebuild because why continue this? Um, but that's that's not the point here. The point is there was talent. Stalin Marte, you know, all the guys you talked about. And he also had talent in the minors. There was talent on both ends. He came in and had O'Neill Cruz. He came in and had Quinn Priester. He came in and had Cabrian Hayes. There was talent on every level. 
that he was gifted to take this over. So I don't, I'm not the believer of Charrington took over a dumpster fire and thank God, you know, he praised Charrington and thank God he's turned this around. He was actually put in a, for a rebuild, put in a pretty, pretty good situation. We've talked about his faults. We've talked about what he you know, has excelled at in doing so. Again, not the argument. To me, it's very clear that Sherrington took over a much better organization than Huntington when he took over. And that's not even going in to the fact like what Tyler brought up. That's just actual pieces, not what he actually had to do to the organization, which, I mean, Sherrington had to, had to make some changes as well. It was in 1950s. But the Pirates are still like in 2013 when Charrington took over. Yeah, I'll, I think. Uh, he... Go ahead. Go ahead, Tyler. I was going to add one thing that um, that Huntington was also able to do. That little talent that he did um, inherit, he identified it, and he locked it up. Right. So. That that's that's one thing that we know that Huntington was able to do. He extended McCutcheon. He extended Marte. We can talk about how he also extended Polanco and Tabata and Harrison. And maybe those didn't work out as well. But I don't really think any of those crippled the franchise. No. Um, right. So, but but Huntington was able to go out there. He 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 identified the people he wanted to lock up, and he got it done. We've yet to see Charrington be able to do that now. I'm sh- I'm sure Charrington would would like to extend Reynolds and Hayes, right? And Cruz. Like I think those are probably the three guys right now where it would make sense to say, "Hey, let's see if we can lock these guys up." And so far, we haven't seen that happen. Now we're we're 2 years in, right? It could still happen. But that is one thing, you know, you got to kind of give Neil Huntington credit for. He identified those guys, he locked them up. Charrington has not been able to do that yet. I'm sure he's trying, maybe. But that that's that's one thing I will say about Huntington is with 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 those guys he inherited, the ones he liked, he kept. I agree fully. And the, the one of the differences it seems like we're seeing with Charrington right now is if they're not one of his guys, it doesn't seem like he wants them. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how deep you really go into that. Just if it's like you a mindset, just perception-wise, it's like, man, if he didn't get them, it doesn't seem like he really wants them. Yeah. Well, I, I think you know. also have to think the guys he also didn't get have been around. We've seen them, right? So if you're if you're thinking, you know, is he keeping Colin Moran or is he keeping Yoshi, right? He's keeping Yoshi. Well, that's because we've seen Colin Moran for four years now. We kind of know what he's doing. That's kind of um, how I feel about I, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because I think he would love. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure he's thrilled he has Brian Reynolds and Key Brian Hayes on this team. Like, and I'm sure he's thrilled that Quinn Priester is in the minors. I, 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 I don't really think he like. Or is he? Maybe that's guys. why he's dragging out this rebuild. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. So now he has an excuse to get rid of. Them. <laughs> Do you remember like a year ago too. when I, I said wait until we're going to turn on him? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I don't want this to really turn to that either. Like this, this isn't more of that. 
what I'll say to Jim's point too about the extensions, like that's true. However, I'm not I'm not ready to like grade and tie that into the Charrington area yet because it is just year three. You know what I mean? Because that hasn't happened yet. I'm not going to say, well, we don't know if he can, and, and I'm going to like slight him for that. It's just mm-hmm. in the situation they're at, it's not that big of a deal as of yet. Now, for two more years into it, and he still isn't, then we can really start talking. But again, with the information we do have currently now, which is more information we had last year when we talked about this a bit. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, again, with the Huntington situation, which actually, by the way, a couple comments here. So uh, Dave says, Charrington is better at drafts than he is at trades. I mean, so far he's proven that. Has he? I mean. Well, I won't say proven it. So far he's know. done it. So, so I think what you can say is, he was kind of gifted Nick Gonzalez falling to him his first, yes. the first year. Uh, you know, we didn't think Gonzalez was going to stay there that long, but then Baltimore and, and Miami did weird things, and boom, there you go. Nick Gonzalez is there, right? Um, and Nick Gonzalez looks like he's going to be a really good hitter, right? Um, and then he got blessed with the number one overall pick, right? And I will say this with the number one overall pick, he was able to utilize that he had a he had a great plan, right? The plan was let's utilize this this pool of money that we have to acquire as much talent as possible, and he pulled it off perfectly, right? I mean, absolutely no complaints with the amount of talent That's he was not able even to bring an in. Overstatement in last year's draft. I mean, it was perfectly perfectly executed. Whether those guys pan out or not, really is a moot point. You know, he was able to acquire talented guys into this organization right now we're now we need to develop them right but there's no question that he executed last year's draft perfectly and i don't know if we ever said that about neil huntington i i don't know i think you can go back and look at it's a through a different lens but the pirates hadn't drafted a guy like a pedro alvarez a boris client demanding a lot of money I mean, hell, we look look at the Josh Bell Garrett cool draft yeah. where he just dished out a ton of money. Mm-hmm. So I think you could argue that that's probably the closest. We probably said it about Huntington, but again, you could argue. I mean, when we when they drafted Pedro Alvarez, there was a debate: Do you take Pedro Alvarez? Do you take Buster Posey? <laughs> okay, throw that out the window. Let's just look <laughs> and at like. like uh, a year and, and one of the years they, where he was going all highly projectable arms and he drafted a Tyler Glass now with Nick Kingham and everyone's talking about all the arms he acquired mm-hmm. in this organization. Yeah. But hindsight. So these didn't pan out, right? Which could still happen here. But that I, seems to be a major development issue that Huntington had. So we'll see with Sherrington. And that's you're going to have that with high school arms in general. <laughs> They're probably going to be your your most volatile prospects because they're so far away, and there's so many things that can go wrong with them, and they're so just not polished to begin with. And, and I mean, if you're if you're a high school arm and you can't develop a changeup, then boom, you're a reliever. If you Thank if God your command, you know, so if if you're a high school arm and your command isn't perfect, then boom, you're a reliever. And, and it, those are things you don't really identify until maybe years three and four in the minors. So, yeah, it, it high school arms, uh, you got to stockpile them because you don't know who's going to hit. 
Yeah. And one thing, too, I want to talk about like, the drafts because you're kind of comparing them also. Um, you, you know, like you said, the Cole, Josh Bell, that's probably the closest. But what I want to say is the parallel. So, like, what helped the Pirates was, of course, there's no cap. The Pirates did spend money in the draft. Can't argue that, right? When it came to the draft, they spent money. They invested into it. Uh, so that's what enabled them to go ahead and get Josh Bell. When a lot of teams were turned off because he wasn't going to sign, the Pirates were like, here's a blank check. Let's get you over here and make it happen, right? So then he signed. Um, Charrington couldn't do that. But in the yeah. same sense, Charrington was able to play the system, the new current system. That's how he was able to acquire these because there's a cap, because it's a slotted system and such, right? He was able to get into that because in reality, if this draft was 2007, those guys that he he got in the second, third round and such, they, they would have been taken because it wouldn't have mattered. It wasn't as if like, well, we can't sign him. You know, the Yankees would have came in and been like, all right, well, here's $3 million. No big right. deal. Any, anybody could have gone over slot and there's just no. Right. So slot where, was a recommendation. Yeah. Right. So like where Neil was able to play the system back then, you know, because they yeah. could just give out money and the Pirates did it. Sherrington played the system now because teams weren't able to throw out money. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to accomplish what he accomplished this time. Yeah. And I think that's you. That's why I was going to jump in and say that. Well, after you mentioned Sherrington playing the system, Neil kind of did the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just that it didn't work out in the same way, or we don't know yet, but we know that in Neil's case, it probably wasn't, you know, the most optimal, uh, I guess, results. It's yet to be seen with Sherrington. Right. For sure. Yeah, and that's I why mean, I don't to... want to put the cart in front of the horse though with Sherrington, where we're all yeah. like talking about how great his draft was. We we talked up so many of Huntington's drafts, I feel like. And maybe that was just us being yes, at a point yes of no. See, I don't know because there was still I mean again, like the Will Craigs and Cole Tucker. That was and... that was later than that, it, though. But it was still was that a was draft. Like... It still was a draft by right. him. Yeah, we're not there with Sherrington yet. We're only two drafts in. Like talk and that guy's, you know who I'm talking about year seven. He might be drafting some right fielder that hit 240 with 40 bombs and at Kent state. Right. Cause he's close to the majors. So Huntington's <laughs> Huntington's first two picks to first two first rounders was Pedro and Tyam, right? Tony Alvarez or Tony Sanchez. Sanchez was Tony in there. Sanchez was a nine. Tyon so was Sanchez Cole was eleven. So it was Alvarez, Sanchez, Tyon. Yeah, Cole. I mean, was, I Tony know. Sanchez was a bad pick, and like we all yes. knew that from the get go. I think Pedro Alvarez was somebody who, you know, everybody liked the power. He had huge, huge bat. So like, I, I'm not going to fault that pick, just like for where it was, and and then the Tyon pick too, like. We were we were the whole time was like okay is it going to be Tyone going to be Machado Tyone or Machado, and and so like I'm not going to fault him for making either of those two decisions because that was something that that baseball people had kind of were, were debating anyways. Mm-hmm. Sanchez was a bad pick. Um, I don't think Charrington has like flopped a draft a draft yet where based know, the on the information Sanchez we have was, now was a right yeah. Right. Whereas the Tony Sanchez pick at the time, immediately, immediate flop. Right. 
Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I, and I don't, again, it's early on in Sherrington's career here. So, you know, it's hard to say, okay, well, he's good at this. He's bad at this. I don't know how good he is at trades because these prospects he's traded for haven't gotten to the majors yet, right? We'll see if if Peguero is good. It, it looks like he hit on Contreras, right? But we don't know until he gets up here. Um, yeah, so it looks like he's hit on a few, but we'll see, right? Um, Huntington's trades up front, again, we talked about this. They were bad. The one thing that Huntington was able to do was those those guys that he that he brought that he inherited kept them and then he was able to add through free agency some big pieces you know catcher starting pitchers you know i, I think people lose track of like just how great ray searage was for a few pitchers i mean they're yeah, i mean volquez um liriano burnett um, all, all these guys who came in, even like Nova, right? Like these guys who came in and they became good pitchers. Not to mention and, every reliever. And, and that's another thing. Everyone. Great, great job at putting together bullpens. You know, he, he would find Henry, relievers. He, he would find relievers, uh, you know, off the scrap heap and they were good. Them like, for, and then flip them for useful and then pieces. Flip them. Yeah. So he, he was very good at piecing together a bullpen. He was he was really good for those few years of finding free agents who he felt he could maximize their potential, and they were able to do that. Um, and that's what what made them, you know, back to back to back playoff, um, you know, uh, contenders. So we haven't seen Charrington do that yet, but he also hasn't tried to do that. Like Charrington has not tried to supplement his talent with pieces to help the major league team yet. So I think it's not really exactly fair to judge him on how he's, how he is at that yet, because we haven't seen him even try to do it yet. We're assuming. Yeah. We're assuming. Because if this it is, if this is, attempt. <laughs> if this is him trying to, if this is him trying to be good, then it's not looking good. right. Yeah. But we're also at a point where it's like we've said it a million times. It's time to start adding something. So I think it's a good good way to segment to that next part. Because <clears throat> again, like the whole point of the, the article, right? Seven years. If we can give Neil six, why not give him seven? Um, so uh, again, we've kind of compared the organizations like where they are. We feel that Charrington inherited a much better organization. But let's also talk about the differences in the organization. So even if you wanted to say, even if you're the people that say Huntington got the better end of the deal because of Andrew McCutcheon, where was Andrew McCutcheon at that time? Like his star, right? Very low minors. Where when Charrington took this over, his star, to your point again, Tyler, you know, maybe not Andrew McCutcheon level, but his star is Brian Reynolds in the majors. It didn't take much longer for his next, hopefully upcoming star, Cabrian Hayes to be in the majors as well. He has guys there today. He doesn't have to wait for his core to come up in five years. Okay, maybe about five years, four years, you know what I mean? To like to get to the six-year mark. And I think that's why, again, we keep hounding this. Like it can't be looked at the same. Like you can't look at this organization now, too, and say, let's take seven years because you have guys here already. At that point in time, they're gone. 
And the next wave of guys are going to be gone. You know, and that's why I feel like, so maybe it's trickier for Sherrington to do what he got to do. Maybe it was much easier for Neil to sit back and say, well, let's just gut this out because Andrew's the guy I got to build around. Whereas Sherrington comes in and says, well, there's not too much talent here. And I got to build around this guy who's already in the majors. So yes, maybe it's a bit trickier, but I just feel like that's the reason why he has to, has to accelerate this. You can't let him take seven years. You can't let him take five years. You know, it's got to be something that's quicker. And that's why we keep saying this year should have been like that bridge year to 2023 when that's when you start to like get competitive. We're not talking about having playoffs, but competitive. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't know how many times you guys say it. We, we're, it we're, we're all disappointed that next year doesn't seem like it's going to be anything different from the last two years. Uh, I mean, unless they're planning on adding more people after this lockout is done. I mean, we're looking at another 100-ish lost team, in my opinion. Um, and, and I don't know how much more of that the fans can take. And I know you don't necessarily make, make decisions around fans, but like at some point, you've gotta, you've gotta start, you've gotta start not rebuilding anymore. <laughs> like you need to stop, stop not, you need to stop rebuilding and actually build, right? And, and we're kind of, this is just extending the rebuild process another year, which again brings us to our conversation we had a few weeks ago. If you're extending this another year, then what do you do with Brian Reynolds? So it's just, I mean, disappointing that it seems like, you know, we're pushing this out another year. So I think from a fan perspective, I think as Pirates fans, we're at a point where we don't want to hear about windows and why something like the article that got written kind of turns a lot of people off so much is because we heard about windows with, Huntington, based upon what the, let's, I mean, let's say the race where it was a continual like trade them, trade them, trade them, trade them, trade them. We don't, we just don't want to hear about that. We just want to be good now. And I think we're just kind of tired of hearing all of it from, I guess, everyone at this point. I'm just trying not to get angry about it all because. It's just baseball, as Ethan says. <laughs> but at some point, like people like me and you guys are going to stop tuning in every night. And what the hell are we doing here? I, so like, I don't know. I don't know if this is like a PSA to fans or whatnot. Because I hear you, Tyler, and I know I hear that everywhere. But at the same sense, I just don't get worked up over it. And I just feel like at the same point, too, like that, that's just it's GM talk for the most part. Like, yes, yeah, some are a little bit different than others, and some will say things. But overall, no GM says anything. You know, and I, I just feel like so it was Huntington then, Sherrington now, whoever the next guy is, next guy after that. Like, in a nutshell, they're all going to say the same thing, just in a different way, right? In their own style and personality. Um, so it, it's almost as if, like, 
I, I get it, but at the same time, fans listening, like, just stop caring so much about what they say because none of them are saying a damn thing at all, at all, ever, <laughs> and they never will. Let me re- let me rephrase everything I just said because I'm trying to watch this football game right now because I have Tyreek Hill and I'm Pay in the attention, fantasy playoffs, Tyler. so I'm kind of busy like trying to do both here. What I meant to really say was that whenever Huntington was here, if what we kept hearing was you need to keep trading to be like the Rays to maintain a long window. So okay. we, a guy like an Andrew McCutcheon, a guy like Garrett Cole, they got to keep being traded like the Rays do. And I feel like at some point we bought into that. And now we're at a point where we're talking about smaller windows of this group coming up and then we're going to have to sell them off. And then we're going to have to rebuild again. And I think we're all just tired of it. Like we, I'm just, everything sucks with major league baseball. That's where I'm at. There's everything the sucks. Tyler There's, I've been waiting there for. There is He's no back. baseball. There's no baseball coming back. We're probably going to miss a year, which is probably for the best. So we don't have to watch a shithole team play again. <laughs> I'm going to lose my fantasy playoffs, which is the most important part right now. And God hates me. That's, that's it. If you would return your food, <laughs> things would go well for you. And this one is more, why, this one is why you're the negative part. I want to bring up here. I actually don't want this to come off as a, I hate Ben Sherrington all the time thing. Cause I do think he's done some things. Well, yeah. I really, I really do like what he's done with the minors. I like that he keeps guys in Double A, and then he's not afraid to bring them up, so that we don't have a guy that has to have a thousand Triple A at bats, because that was exhausting with Huntington. Andrew McCutcheon. I like that he gives the O'Neill Cruz a couple games. I like that Ronzi got to start a game. Those are very minor things. I think that's a very useful part of building an organization. I like, I do like the draft. Could that end up being incorrect? Absolutely. But it's hard to really be optimistic just as a Pirates fan. I've been alive 28 years and I've seen four winning seasons. What do you want from me? I mean, I think that's, that's very fair, right? Like, I mean, I don't know how I, I certainly am not optimistic about this team. I don't know if I like will ever be until they show me a reason to be optimistic and, and it's fine to be optimistic. I have no problem with it. Um, but yeah, right now things aren't looking great, but, but to go, to go to what you said, I don't want this to be like, I, I hate Ben Sherrington podcast. Because what he has done as far as the sheer amount of talent he has just brought into this organization has been very impressive. Like, it's been impressive. Um, This is probably the deepest farm system in baseball. If it's not, it's a top two or three. And, and, And now you're starting to see the top, right? Whereas before it was deep. Now you're starting to see the top of the of the prospect list shaping up to include players who have like superstar potential, right? 
Um, and that's something that we've, frankly, we've, we've been missing that the last real superstar prospect the pirates have had that I can think of was Polanco, right? Like that's probably the last person who debuted. And it was like, it was like a moment where like, okay, Polanco's debuting. Um, yep. we haven't had that really since we haven't had, we haven't that, had that since then that 2020 um, outfield. Yeah. 20 home run, 20 um, stolen base, three outfielders that no one ever had in existence and the Pirates going to have. And yeah. And again, like those, those players don't always pan out, but it's better to have more of those types of players where like, it's an event to see them debut than it is to have just a bunch of depth guys, right? Like you need impact talent. And, uh, it, it seems like, it seems like the pirates have a decent crop of prospects who are capable of being that, which is good to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I know a lot of Pirates fans are like this. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but the whole, like, I'm not optimistic until they make me, you know, uh, the, the whole like, well, whoa, whoa, Pirates, you know, it's the Pirates. So I can't be, I mean, I just, things are just what they are. Um, I'm not optimistic on this year by any means. I'm optimistic in, in the organization right now. Yes, you are correct, Jim. Like where this organization was, Albeit again, we talk about, right? He inherited much better players. Those players oh, enabled him to trade off and get these pieces. We talk about the trades. A lot of them are very underwhelming in our eyes, but there's still pieces that have helped build this entire organization up. Could they have been better, potentially, right? I mean, we have a Marcano in our system where maybe don't take Marcano and take another prospect that was available. <laughs> that's our that's our perception. Maybe Marcano mm-hmm. works out and then Tarrington is a genius. We'll find out. We have been underwhelmed with some of the trades. However, all the trades have been high risk, high rewards, trade a guy and get like four or five in return. So, you know, it's like the odds of people catching on are, are, are greater, right? So he has done a lot of good stuff. I definitely get that. Um, we are just down on some, some things with him. But overall, I'm a neutral. I just feel, again, he gets a lot of praise solely because of who the old person was. And I feel like he's different. It's a clear rebuild. He's doing it. And there's a lot of, oh my God, 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 Charrington, Charrington, Charrington. It's like, all right, pump your brakes a little bit. But what I'm starting to see too, again, I talk about the Civil War is, I want to say in like maybe the past three months, I've seen a lot of hatred for Charrington. And I'm, no, I think we have to speak to all three of us. Like we're nowhere near that. Yes, we're certainly down. We have our critiques on him, but this, this isn't as if Charrington's trash and he's got to get out of here and he's not man for the job and, and, and whatnot. He has done some phenomenal things so far in the draft, right? What we can see to me, the trades have been a bit underwhelming. Uh, we can't really grade international just because it's been so weird since COVID um, that will be coming up here shortly. Next, next month we'll start having international signings to see what happens. Um, but yeah, like in his overall thing, some things are good. Some things not so good, but to me, I'm I'm somewhat neutral on him. Um, I think the Pirates will be good. I just wish they would be good sooner than what I feel like he's going to make them good in. I feel like a lot of the hate that you see is a lot of like scorned lovers from that have been around Twitter since the like, like 2011 through 20 like 15 phase of look at how great this prospect is like. Oh my God, Gregory Polanco is a top 10 prospect in baseball. And we've heard it all 
And we've got the new crop of Pirates Twitter that have just joined. And they're telling us how great this crop is. And we're like, we've seen this movie before. We don't need it again. Yeah. Could be it. I mean, I think... I think I Welcome think to the Thunderdome. Twitter, right? Twitter is in no, its second right. phase of Pirates rebuilds. <laughs> That's a good way no, of putting I mean, it. I think there's something to it, that. There's generations like got, of Twitter, and we've now in the second generation yeah. of Twitter. Yeah. You've got the Twitter accounts who were around in 2009, 2010, 2011, and I feel like the people who were around during that period are extremely jaded and just like hate themselves at this point <laughs> whereas the people who got on and you know maybe they got on in 2016 2017 2018 2019 they haven't experienced just crushing defeat over and over again of their dreams like we have um so they're not really used to it and let's be honest the order is one of these newbies why yeah. am I a newbie? You did, a not, newbie. you did not live through those er, that no. era. You got North Shore Nine did not you. join until like 2016. I'm yeah, not on Twitter. My personal account was 2008. Yeah, but you were not. You weren't knee deep in Pirates Twitter. That's a different animal. Yeah, you weren't. You weren't Pirates Twitter though. I I wasn't in Pirates Twitter by fall. I followed you. Jim, way back in the day. I mean, not that you cared about me back then, but yeah, but that was Jim. Me. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I followed you until like two years ago. <laughs> but I'm talking about like my personal. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, yeah. North Carolina existed in 2016, <laughs> but like personally, I used to follow him. Like Mick Effect, I used to follow, and yeah, Rum Bunner back in the day, and DK back when you guys were like cool with DK. <laughs> and but, to um, be fair. No, I think part of the divide part of the divide I truly do do think part of it has to do with DK because his he just flipped and everything seems to be sunshine and rainbows with Sherrington or he tends to approve of his moves much more and people that are fans of DK seem to subscribe to the idea that what Sherrington has done has been done well. See, I don't think, I don't think DK is, I think DK is definitely pro um, Gary Williams, right? That's that's first Travis, Travis Williams. Okay. (laughs) I was so confused too. (laughs) Travis Williams. Like he's pro Travis. Gary Williams is the guy I think that does a podcast for him. Okay. No, I don't think that's right. No, so Travis Williams. So Travis Williams likes him, right? But I don't feel like DK's been like overly positive about Ben Sherrington and what he's what he's done. I mean, I feel like he's had fair coverage of of like the actual organization since he's come on board. But he definitely factually he definitely likes Travis Williams more than he liked uh yeah. the previous guys. Uh Coonley. Yeah. Coonley yeah, I mean, I, that, that could be I it. Mean, I don't know if I Kyle sub- Stark subscribe to that. Oh, Tiffany Stark. 
what I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying no, is no. that DK does have a very good. He has a wide pool of Pittsburgh fans, and a lot of people subscribe to the same thoughts he does. So when DK is on his our city, not his type deal, people are up in arms about Bob Nutting. When he's going a little light on Ben Sherrington, they're going to be a little light on him. And that's that's DK. People love him or hate him. Hmm. Again, just well, about two cents a lot of on people. I, I feel like everyone hated Nutting before that, regardless. You know what I mean? Maybe he unified, yeah, but, but it wasn't as if it was like, oh, I should hate Nutting because DK says it. I mean, yeah, yeah that was... That fella can build an army. And again, and maybe you're right, all right, and I'll give you some credit to this, but I've always just more or less felt it's there's so much hatred towards Neil Huntington is what has sparked the love for Sherrington. That's just, again, that's how I felt. Now, maybe DK helped that. Maybe. I was just saying, I, I don't, it could have been, but that's just always been my feeling. Because of the way Huntington left this organization, right? And what he did, I just feel there's so much hatred there, and everyone has this perception of Huntington destroyed this franchise. That look what Sherrington has done. Because everything we just talked about, what, what Jim said, right? Like this went from a very, very poor farm. To a very, very deep farm now, right? Like he has done a lot with the farm. He has done a lot of this. It just, we're kind of missing out on the reasons for that is because the guy that he was able to trade in the Garrett Cole trade for, the guy that he was able to trade with Sully Marte, the guy he was, you know, I mean, these Huntington guys, and again, these Huntington guys that are the top of the top 10 farm list. So the reason, not solely, Right, but a good portion of the reason that Sherrington is able to do what he does is because of what Huntington left over. Right, wrong, or indifferent. DK posted so many times about the best management team in baseball. While I mean, the so team baseball was good. America. I mean, they literally named them the best management in baseball. Yeah, sarcastically. He tweeted about them and their shortcomings. Oh, whether he was right or wrong, he was not fond of anything Neil Huntington did. And there are plenty of articles out there not giving Neil Huntington any credit about what happened. And he has a massive following, which I really do think had something to do with a lot of the negativity towards Neil Huntington. And it could be right or wrong. Neil Huntington could go down. I mean, if you're indifferent, you could look at Neil Huntington and think, you know what? He was not that good. So DK could be right. I don't know, but he certainly has a lot more pull than people think in Pittsburgh. I think the other thing too, especially with like, we, we've mentioned like the two types of Twitter, the older people. And, and I can't believe we're lumping ourselves in with the older people, but I guess I'm an older person we, on Twitter. We're veterans. <laughs> um, we'll call us like, ourselves so, Twitter veterans. But yeah, our arbitration years are behind us. In my entire life that I can remember, right? Keep in mind, I was uh, 1992. I was five years old. So I don't remember that. I remember, I remember 93 on, right? 
no general manager that the Pirates have had has even come close to accomplishing what Neil Huntington accomplished. So I think that's the thing. Like I, I will never hate Neil Huntington because Neil Huntington's the best GM I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm not saying that to be like, you know, he's good, but we've had, we've been to the playoffs three times and in, in the, the lifetime that I can remember and Neil Huntington constructed those teams Right. I mean, Cam Bonifay didn't. David Littlefield didn't. Ben Sherrington didn't. Neil Huntington did. And, and so I, I think I'll I will never I will never dislike Neil Huntington because my fondest memories of Pirates baseball happened under Neil Huntington. Right. We can talk about like the end of his career here and he probably didn't do the right things, but no, he definitely didn't do the right things. I mean, he, definitely didn't do no the right things. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. He definitely didn't do the right things, but the most fun I've ever had watching Pirates baseball, Neil Huntington was a general manager. Mm-hmm. And there's no question about it. I'm, I'm right with you. I think he gets yeah. too much hate. But again, the way he ended, and that's what you're going to, recency bias, that's what you remember. I shouldn't say we, but a lot of people, that's how they're going to remember him. Recency bias was their Chris Archer trade. Right. And I, I get it. You know, it's, we've said it time and time again. Um, before you guys came on and, and during, you know, I just, I just feel like his contract was coming. They were like this transition phase. Let's kind of put the chips on the table and go for it. Cause if I get Chris Archer, which again, he probably should have realized Chris Archer wasn't the guy to get, but I'll put my chips on the table, get Chris Archer, extend this. I can get myself another contract. Um, maybe fed in too with, with the fans, right? We talked like you should never do that as a GM. Maybe just he's fed in. Cause everything about that was just uncharacteristic for him. Um, but even in doing so, it's not as if he, you know, got Chris Archer and then said, let's really build upon this team. It was like, let's get Chris Archer and oh, we're good. That's <laughs> all we really needed. You know, so again, like the end of a tenure, I totally get it. It was not productive by any means. Um, and he did set this organization back with that trade. But, 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 but when you look at the overall tenure, it wasn't like it was all failures. Just like Jim said, you know, he definitely had his shortcomings. He had some sorcery as you talk about with the pitching, especially relievers. Um, and overall it equated to an okay tenure. It's got, it's good. It's bad. And it's ugly. Yeah. I think it's a good way to put it. It's just okay. Which as Pirates fans is great because we're not even used to. Okay. <laughs> cool. Well, I think that's like a good way to leave it. To be two honest hours into this, yeah, <laughs> Tyler, what are we talking get, about tonight? <laughs> I don't want to get down another rabbit hole. Uh, and what's sad is I feel like we could probably still talk about this for three more oh, hours. We we could go on, not night. more. Yeah, we have a twenty-four hour marathon next Thursday. It doesn't sound like a bad idea. It's a very bad. Actually, we should do that, and then we'll just cut them up into twenty-four segments. And there's our off season. Just, We're good. We, need we got to our just, podcast. Let's, let's see. Well, you know what? Next Thursday is uh, is Festivus. We could have a yeah. an airing of grievances Ooh. episode. Ooh, we should have a power hour. <laughs> That's the week after. That's New Year's Eve Eve. I'm off both Fridays, so I don't care. New Year's Eve Eve power hour yeah. time. We should do something. A power hour of pirates highlights. 
No. That would take so long to put together. We're just gonna we're just gonna put on we're gonna put on Pittsburgh Clothing Company and just watch the Pittsburgh sports highlights. A power hour of nineties boy bands. Love Let's. Uh, I'm gonna put us on the spot right now because it is festive. Let's go ahead and brainstorm it. Let's. We got to do something next week about grievances. Let's. Let's have people send us or talk about the grievances yeah. or something. We'll figure Some something out. Sure. That's that will be so hard to come up with. Very hard. All right. We'll end it there then. Yeah. Yep. So appreciate you coming on. So once again, go ahead subscribe to our YouTube. Go follow us there. Uh, we'll still be on Twitter for like I guess what the next two episodes. But after that. It's YouTube. So we will catch you all later. Bye. Peace out, Girl Scouts. See you guys.